Welcome to the Smoke Pit. I'm your host, Daniel Sharp. This week, we approach the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. We are putting together a video, and if you'd like to participate, please send us a short email or DM with a video of you saying where you were and what went through your head when the attacks occurred. Check out our social media platforms for more information. All right, for today's episode, we have a couple quick news stories before we get into our interview with today's fantastic guests. A bit of sad news, we have a missing soldier out of Fort Stewart in Georgia. 27-year-old specialist Patrick Martin was last seen around 4 p.m. on August 30th. If you have any information, please contact authorities. In Lakeland, Florida, a former Marine was arrested on several counts of murder. Police claiming the known methamphetamine user broke into a house and murdered a family and their pet dog. After coming down from his alleged high, he surrendered peacefully to authorities and now is being held without bail. Resistance fighters battle the Taliban north of Kabul. Sources have indicated that several government buildings in the region have exchanged hands several times, and both sides are claiming that they are inflicting heavy casualties upon the other. Go to popsmokemedia.com for more news, stories, and updates. Today's guest is a former ranger, an author, and an American hero. Chris Peranto is a survivor of the September 11, 2012 attacks on the two U.S. government facilities in Benghazi, Libya. The events were the inspiration of the Hollywood movie 13 Hours. Tonto joins us to talk about what life has been like since the events of those times, and we really hope you enjoy this episode. Do you want to look handsome as fuck? Well, then you should try Combat Comb Over for your hair and your face and your beard. And then once you have all that additional swagger, you need something to carry it around in. Use the Nut Ruck by Arbor Arms. And while you're uh, carrying that Nut Ruck, you should also remember to keep yourself as fresh as possible because you never know what might happen when you're looking that good. So keep yourself some body powder from Hollywood Powder Company. Use our discount code SMOKEPIT on all of our sponsors to save yourself some money. Yeah. Hey, Dan. First of all, thanks for having me on, brother. I know you were real patient with me on this for last year. So um, thanks for working with me on it. But uh, yeah, I, Chris Perano, guys, uh, a lot know me as Tano within the community or within the pop culture community <clears throat> that have seen the movie 13 Hours. But um, yeah, I, I was uh, with the 75th Army Ranger Regiment, 2nd Battalion, and then also was a security contractor for uh, approximately 10 years, a little bit more, uh, working with various security companies. Uh, the most notable would probably be within the community of Blackwater Security, started with them in 2003, and then did various contracts with Ocean Hunter Group, uh, direct hire program within the CIA, and then private uh, entities were working in South America, Central America, which was actually really fun. A lot of stuff. I was very, very blessed to be able to get into the contracted community at the ground level and then, and then work well with people, which, which is shocking if you know me, but I was able to, <laughs> and, um, and then uh, branch out into, into stuff that, you know, that, that really, and literally I can say now they make movies about, and, uh, uh, and then of course I was in Benghazi, Libya, 9-11, 2012. Um, but before that I had been contracting for about 10 years, um, oh, wow. and all the, and all the stands, every stand that was out there, I was in that stand country <laughs> and then, um, doing anti-piracy work, which was a blast. That was fun and, until we got caught into a, a huge storm in the Indian ocean. And then I wished I was getting shot at in comparison to trying to battle mother nature. 
Um, but um, great, great experiences. And, and now I'm, I'm loving the sunset, walking off the sunset with my, with my family. I'm a father. I have three children and a, and a beautiful, beautiful wife that have been through hell and back with me since I was a ranger. So yeah, from right now. Well, that's awesome. We, um, you know, very, very happy to have you here today. Um, and, uh, you know, we, I think we first met uh, three or four years ago, you yeah, were doing yeah. a, a book signing in Manhattan. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I swung by and, um, you know, you, you that was at Emm- Emmett's place, wasn't it? Wasn't that yeah. it? Yeah. Emmett, and that's now gone terrible. About damn near every bar and, and meeting place in New York City is gone. But Emmett, uh, yeah, Emmett Ohlone's fantastic place. Wonderful. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, a lot has happened, uh, even since then. So what, uh, what projects are you working on now? What do you got your fingers in? Well, you know, I still do a, tra- I still do training, I have a company called Battleline Tactical and, and I have, uh, two other instructors that we primarily use, uh, myself uh, and Ben Morgan, who's first Ranger bat, former triple canopy guy. And that, that does a lot of teaching with us as well at Battleline. And then also Benny Glossop, who is a former MMA fighter, former jujitsu I mean, he, he actually was pegged for the Olympic team at one point and he does a lot of our combative stuff. So we do a lot of that moving around mobile training teams, going to various ranges throughout the country. Uh, been doing that for about three years as of right now that, you know, we've finally you know, pegged which ranges that, that we enjoy going to. So it is primarily in certain ranges, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, Chicago, uh, which guys, I think a lot of people out there would be shocked how, how gun heavy and gun supportive the, the Chicago and the outer Chicago area is fantastic support out there from the people in Chicago and the surrounding area. And then we go to defender outdoors at Fort Worth, which is another tremendous range and tremendous people there. We use a life quite a bit in shred proof training, but also have our own podcast called the battle line podcast. Uh, and that was started. Um, uh, it's been a little over a year now, but it was another thing that was started with somebody I'd worked with on other podcasts before software up radio and yeah. the Wilkow show His engineer, uh, Ian Scotto at the Wilkow show when I was on Andrews quite a bit, um, left serious, went to software up, helped Brandon make software up radio, which I thought software radio at that time was doing very, very good things. And then he left and said, Hey, do you want to do a podcast? I said, do I have to do anything except talk? He said, no, <laughs> I'll do it all. I said, hey, sounds good. And it's actually taken off and done quite well. And it's, uh, I think the reason being is because we don't talk about politics. It, it's completely, it, you know, I am a Christian. I'm, I'm a, the most potty mouth Christian you'll ever meet, but I yeah. am. And, and the podcast is extremely faith-based. It's positive. And we have, uh, we, we don't get into politics, which allows us to have veterans and you know and 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 people with that within the in the community that you know maybe be more middle right wing to left wing musicians that come on and talk about their and their support for the veteran community whether they were on the left or not and, and it's it's been great it's been a positive experience and then um and then uh still out there doing a lot of public speaking well i should let me caveat that not right now doing a lot because of the because yeah. of the because of the covid because of the, the hippity bibbity virus going around but um, but you know, have, uh, in the past and I still am working and, and have a lot scheduled this year. Now that stuff's starting to open back up with public speaking, which, uh, honestly has been very, very cathartic for me and has helped me, helped me get through some of the dark times, uh, in, in my life. And it also helps me speak to veterans that have post-traumatic growth. I, I don't, and that's not my term, Jeff, Jeff Depate from one of the uh, task force in Canada, can't stop guy. That's his phrase. So I'm stealing it 
but I agree with it. It's not post-traumatic stress, it's post-traumatic growth, something that you go through. It gives me the ability to, to, to talk to veterans who are going through things and say, hey, you know what, speaking to somebody, doesn't have to be a group of people, but speaking about your experiences can help and, and, and don't be afraid to do it. So it's been helpful for me and I hope it's, I think, I, and I do, I do know because some veterans have come to me after events and said, hey man, thanks for sharing what you did and opening up. And uh, now I, I, you know, I'm going to go talk to somebody or I appreciate, I heard you on a podcast like yours, Dan, and, they said, and I finally opened up and started talking it, talking about my experience to my mother, my father, my friend, or whatnot, went to the VA and got help. So uh, yeah, yeah, we, it's, we love it's all, yeah, it's great, man. So um, we, you know, we, we have a, a lot going on in the world today. And yeah. so there's, I don't know about you, but there's times where I'm, I'm taking a fat dump and um, <laughs> yeah. know, maybe, like before your show, like I yeah. did before your show. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And I <laughs> maybe start to contemplate my life a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so out of all the places that you've ever been, um, I'd, I'd like to ask you two questions. Sure. One, uh, which place do you think had the biggest impact on um, your view of the world? And sure. two, are there any of those places that you would go back as a tourist to visit? Yeah, I, actually, it's this great question. I that's it, Dan. You that's that's deep, brother. Even that's nobody's ever really asked me that. They've asked me my favorite places, but not in that way that that you've just asked me. I, the the place had the biggest impact on me, and you'll see me posted a lot on my throwback pics, even on Instagram. I I, I do it. I I do do get on Instagram. I have an account there. Um, is Afghanistan, and the reason being is because you go there and, and you can see the br- the brutalness of that country and all the war. I mean, they've been going through wars, civil wars, tribal wars for how many years, hundreds of years. And you see how that country, when the King was ruling in the sixties, how beautiful it was, especially in the Kabul area. And then you see it being, you know, after the Russian invasion, then their own tribal wars. And, you know, uh, you know people forget about that. They think America came in and, and the Russians really destroyed that country. Actually, it was a lot of the tribal wars between Massoud, Saif, and, uh, and Hekmatyr. I always say his name wrong. That destroyed a lot of the country in between the Russians and then us coming in and, and trying to get bin Laden out of, in, in Afghanistan and working out of Afghanistan and getting to Pakistan. But the people just, what I love is, is there still is that brutal, brutalness there, but it's a brutal beauty now. And you see people just still every day, because I was very lucky to not be on a base, that I was actually able to get out in town, live in town, actually live on the economy and, and be part of the economy in some of these cities, especially Kabul. They're just trying to live their life. And through all the chaos, they still just, year after year, generation after generation, most of them just get up and just, just go to work which can be pulling a donkey cart all day, yeah. helping people's groceries. I, mean, I got, that'd be another pick. I'll post that and I'll post a pic where I caught, the, caught a policeman, an Afghani police beating a guy down. Um, it was after the event. I took a picture of it because he parked his donkey cart in the wrong spot. <laughs> and and it, it, you, you see that and you're like, but they still, they still bust their asses every day and they still smile. Even with all the carnage, they still they still have a tremendous history and I admire it because I look at the little things we're going through here and I'm like, Oh my gosh, dude, are you kidding me? That's like a 24 hour period in through 65 days a year in Kandahar or, yeah. or, or in, or, you know, in the, in the Hindu Kush or I like, you gotta be kidding me guys. And it really gave me a sense of toughness. Like do, do we ever really have it as bad as we think we have it? And 
are we still have the ability yeah. to get up and work our ass off every day and, and, and still improve. And I, I look back at Afghanistan and that, them are a perfect example of people that just continue to grind every day and they continue to have wars. <laughs> and it, it's, I'll be honest, I don't think it's ever going to end whether we're there or not there, but they've, they've, they found a way to live through it. But on the flip side though, you see that it's also, you see what wars do to countries and it destroyed a beautiful country that, would have tremendous tourism would put money back in the pockets of that entire country. Oh yeah. If they're able to get that stuff. Cause it is, it's gorgeous. Just, just gorgeous. Um, and as a tourist, you know, I actually, I did a, I did a, an operation there where I, this, where I was, my, my cover was being a tourist in Afghanistan once, which was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> so I, I actually did become a tourist, but it was, it was for a specific op doing some surveillance. But um, if it wasn't Afghanistan, I think the place I would like to go back and be a tourist at, thinking of all the places. And I just got a brief trip there after Benghazi, and I loved the country, was Yemen. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and I was there. I, 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 people don't know that. I, a lot of them just think, yeah, you're Benghazi. That's all you know. I was actually 10 years before then. After Benghazi, I went and worked in Yemen until we screwed that place up and we did him out out of there, you know, and during... Um, people can research Yemen in 2013, 2014 and see that basically we just dropped chocks and left that country. And it's now, it's now a stabilized country too, but being able to get to live in that country, work and be in the economy. There was a Kentucky fried chicken, yeah. real Kentucky fried chicken in Sanaa. Um, the best coffee I've ever had. Sorry, Evan, over at Black. Sorry, buddy. They, their <laughs> coffee was better than yours. I'm sorry, man. No, but, uh, what he needs to do is, uh, you know, get you and him and y'all hop on like an Emirates yeah. flight back over there, grab a couple <laughs> uh, duffel bags worth of beans and bring them back and make a, a Tonto roast. That would be fantastic. And they did that coffee and we would, that was part of our, our, sometimes our little ops. We do surveillance, but it would be a surveillance coffee run where we would go there and we had a grinding shop and we, we divvied it up. So we didn't make sure that we weren't getting followed and surveillance wasn't on us all the time. But, uh, then we go there and that was the op go there and get a 20 pound bag of, of roast and, and Yemen was <laughs> fantastic. And you know, that's funny because that's what Evan would do. I, I worked with Evan when we were at Ghost and Hunter group, I tremendous, you know, he's known for black ruffle coffee and all that. Evan is a tremendous person, period. One of the best in persons with integrity I've ever met. He is one of the best firearms instructors I've ever worked with. We worked training Afghanis earlier together. But what he would do is that's what he was doing at the time. He was going around sampling honey, sampling the coffee. It, he already had his mind of what he was doing. He was already deciding how he was going to do Black Ruffle Coffee in 2007 when we were working. And kudos to him. The dude's brilliant. Um, he's a little fruity, but other than that, no, I love that. Evan's awesome. <laughs> No, yeah, that's, yeah. That, Evan, that's a great idea. We should go back to Sanaa, get some coffee, come back, make a ton of roast. <laughs> yeah, and if uh, if you need a third or a fourth to help pull security, let me know. I'm uh, I'm available. Dude, I would be. I am done. No, I don't. You, I want somebody to protect me now. I'm done doing this. Yeah. Let me enjoy it. You you stay in the six and face out while <laughs> I go have some coffee and eat a chicken sandwich somewhere. I'm good yeah. with that. I I got that. Um, <laughs> I I got a few good years left in me. I just got my jump wings. So I, I still got a little bit of gas left in the tank. Congrats. Yeah, um, congratulations. Thanks. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. Uh, that's a huge deal. Fantastic, dude. Now, <laughs> continue, what's, what's the next step for you then? Are you, you signing up for anything after that? You oh, get, no, no. I, I, if you, you, I was just a straight leg good, grunt. Good. And, yeah, I was just a straight leg grunt. And um, there were a few times where we got attached to different little 
um, you know, special operations or, you know, these cool guys or that, or, you know, they gave me and uh, my squad to a a platoon of Afghan soldiers and we were the embedded training unit. And so I got, Uh, I got, I got a taste for a little bit of the bougie life. And once I got out, I decided that I would do a lot of these cool guy (laughs) courses just as a civilian. So like I could get the experience, but not have like the implication and the stress, like, Oh, if I don't pass this pipeline, like I'm going to get recycled and just waste a year of my life and all that. So I went down to Honduras. I did scuba with warfighter scuba training down there. I went down to Florida and I did my five static line jumps with round canopy parachute team. Like it's, it's awesome. great to do cool guy stuff as a civilian when like I can just go put some icy hot on my tailbone and drink a beer. Yeah, that that is that reminds me of being at Ranger. Good, perfect analogy. When I was at Ranger School, we get into that at Florida and a mountain phase in Dahlonega, freezing my balls off, but it was blue sky and it was beautiful that day. But we're actually on Mount Yona, and then we're also doing all our repelling stuff. And my fingers look like hot dogs; they're just tore up because they're they're just cold and they're dried out because of all those damn green woolly gloves we had to wear yeah and i remember sitting up on the mountainside during why i was uh why i was waiting and i was on top atop of of the little i don't say little cliff we were doing our repelling stuff on waiting my turn looking out and seeing the beauty and going man i wish i was a civilian right now because if it was this would be actually a beautiful day <laughs> but yeah when you throw in all the military bull- <laughs> bullshit into it yeah. and then also the possibility of recycling and then getting kicked out of it it just yeah took the fun right out of it took the beauty right out of it so i brother i completely agree with you <laughs> I, and, and kudos to you for saying that and and then also the, the fun it is fun that's not yeah. just fun yeah it's great fun so uh my my last question for you uh before we let you get back to you know uh doing everything in the world that you're doing um so there were there's a there was a lot of spotlight uh focused on the uh tactical aspect of what happened in benghazi and a lot of people don't know that the state department made an entire new training program specifically to deal with the fire aspect of what happened and my co-host aj uh he's actually uh an instructor and so um you know, could, could you kind of speak to like the sure. importance of, you know, fire safety in a tactical situation like that? Mm-hmm. Because sure. I think that people only have a head of like, okay, you know, I muzzle target, but when you're in an environment like that, you have to be more considerate of all the dangers that you may all possibly dangers, face. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, great. And that's a great question as well. And, and, and right. I want to say it was probably about six months to a year after Benghazi could have been longer. I, I forget the time frame, but cause I was, I was basically out of the game by that time. Um, but they were, they were going to start training and the title of the course was using fire as a weapon, which is what it was. It was yep. definitely used as a weapon that night and they weren't ready for it. The, the, I mean, I don't think if they would have let our place on fire, we probably, probably wouldn't have been ready for it. You know, you, you know, the, the ventilation systems, the, how do you fight diesel steel? Diesel fumes is what killed killed the ambassador and Sean Smith. It wasn't the fire. It wasn't the heat. It was the lack of oxygen and not having the right ventilation systems. So I, it was a, I, I believe it was a big turning point on State Department of just saying, hey, we got to start addressing it because this is something that nobody's ever addressed because nobody's died by fire or smoke inhalation. Granted, fire is always there when you have an explosion or when you shoot guns in a hot round, finally cut something on fire. But usually those people are dead before yeah fires used so it, it was kudos to them because they they did their little AR after action report after action review and they they made some changes and 
And when you go into hostile environments or even in your daily life, that's why it's important to address all the factors, contributing factors that could end your life. And you got to think of it as bluntly as that. You know, you don't want to church it up. You don't want to, hey, well, it could kill me. No, what is what could end my life here? What do we need to do to protect against it? And um, that's a mindset issue as well. That's a, where you're just taking, like you said, the black and white out of it. Of just hey, Can we just die by bullets and knives and sharp weapons? Is What else can we do? And then how do we defeat it? Um, and I, I haven't seen their course curriculum, but I'm sure it's fantastic. Uh, and that was something the I don't think the agency did quickly either. The State Department did address it, which is which is something that's good that they improved. They improved their training, and that's what you should always be doing as an instructor or coach, whatever. And I call myself a coach, not really an instructor. Just I'm coaching. Is what little things can we do to improve over and above what, yeah. what the norm is, and learning from those experiences and failures of the experience that that night with the fire and the smoke and and not having just just essentially really came down not having proper ventilation, and that's all it needed to be. How do you get the how do you get the smoke out of these buildings? Um, and not thinking about it until after the fact and being reactive, um, that's where you fail. And that's where being proactive, and it, it's not being a prepper, it's not being, uh, you're not being uh, psychotic, you're not a worry ward, it's just, hey, yeah. what could happen? Okay, do we have these things in place? And in your own house, it's fire. Do I have a ladder that I can get out the window in my closet if I need to? Do I know what to do if, I, if there's smoke rolling in at the door? Do I open the door or do I open a window? What do I do? Yeah. And, and it's stuff that people should address in their, in their own lives. Uh, yeah, the agency, I, I don't know if they took the proper steps, but I do to, to do improvements. Um, I never talked to them. Um, I never went to the, I, as far as going to the agency and say, and being an instructor, which I, I think I could have helped out a bunch. Uh, there's a little ego thing going on there. I think with the agency, <laughs> their staffers and the people up top, but the state department did do that. And kudos to them for, for, for taking that step. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see the curriculum too, because I know I could learn from it. Because just because I was involved, it doesn't mean I, I know how to know how to handle it, uh, handle it, know all the ins and outs. I just know what not to do. Um, and, and that's really about it. Um, so yeah, and they, um, they said that um, not not State Department, but I was I was reading um, a fire marshal's report. And they say that uh, buildings built before the 1980s you typically have 10 minutes to get out if a fire starts and then you know and granted everything is subjective if there's you know sure i think a kerosene there that's gonna decrease yeah. exponentially but <laughs> they say that yeah. um, buildings built after 1980s um, you typically have an average of three to five minutes to get out and so if, wow. you, if you think about having only a third of the time that you um that you would in a certain building than you would another like that does go into quite a bit of tactical planning because yeah. if you know you you want to stay left of the boom and and so i think if you kind of like translate that to um opening up your your mind's eye to the possibility that you are in a 360 degree environment because the military does such a bad job of canning training scenarios where you are punished for thinking creative uh, creatively yeah. because if you didn't do exactly what they are going to debrief you on the ARR then they don't know what to say and then they're afraid of saying the wrong thing because you know like you know what if something happens and they get blamed because whatever or somebody doesn't like what they had to say like you have to stick to the canned scenario and I, I just think that where small unit, um, small units excel at 
is delegating decision-making authority down to the lowest level possible. Um, yep. Yep. And you have to, you have to know. Yeah. There was a thing as, as a ranger that I learned from the get go is that you need to know the job of the person two step two two ranks ahead of you. Mm -hmm. You had to know that. And then two ranks ahead, you had to teach everybody your job. And it wasn't a pride issue. It was, if he goes down, you may need to take over. And at yeah. E4, you may not be an E7. You got to know. And also, they encouraged thinking outside the box. They encouraged, they encouraged, yeah, you may do something wrong. And I did. I was an E4, and they put me at a squad leader position in one, one uh, op we did at Fort Campbell. And I screwed up miserably. I didn't know what they were, but I was, they put me in there. And yeah, I got, I got my ass, ass smoked for a lot of the stuff. Because some of it was common sense stuff. I violated that fifth principle of patrolling a few times. But it still <laughs> was one of the fantastic experiences for me because I learned. Yes, I learned the hard way. That's Ranger Battalion. That's what it's supposed to be. But I also started to be able to think outside the box because what I was doing was thinking of what do I do in black and white? What, what, what was I told here, which the can training scenarios? And I did those things and they didn't work. And they're like, well, you knew it wasn't going to work. Why'd you do it? Well, that's what we've always been taught. Well, idiot, it's not going to work. So try something else. Yeah. All right, push you and just start pushing. But that, <laughs> they encourage that. Um, and, and to a point, I mean, yeah, to a point, to your, to your, you don't want to fast rope it with a tutu on just because you think it might be, let, let your legs chafe less or you're going to look better. But, you know, you, you still. You no, still you're, get you're using it for the tactical advantage of surprise. Like, yeah. I'll be honest, if I'm a terrorist and I'm just minding my business and a black hawk comes flying in and ropes come out, I'm like, I'm cocking my AK. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's go to work. And then, you know, a bunch of rangers come out in tutus. I am going to be momentarily shocked. <laughs> and maybe confused, yeah. Yeah, that, that momentary lapse in initiative may be what they need to gain the initiative and the overwhelming fire superiority. You know that, that is brilliantly put and you're right but and the thing is though is you're not wrong because that probably <laughs> would work would work uh, it, i i i the small units and like you say i and i was well put as well that I, I i was lucky to do that and then lucky to be a contractor at the very beginning because we were able to implement our own training we were able to do our own thing within our own teams the small units being able to to like not only delegate but then you could stretch and say okay this is the guideline of what we're going to do Let's go ahead and try something else and see if it works. And developing our own guidelines. Yeah, um, for sure. Planning. You want to plan for every scenario because proper planning prevents piss poor performance. I know you've heard that before too. And that's, that still holds true. And it still holds true even in your own household. Planning for everything. Even the most ridiculous, because it might happen. Some guy might even be coming running at you in shorts and a Mickey Mouse shirt with a machine gun shooting at are, are, What are you going to do? Or, or, and, and I did. I was wearing shorts and a Mickey Mouse shirt. I, and it's do you ever think you're going to go into combat in and in an outfit? Like, no, I never thought, but I was ready for it. If I did, I had shorts on. So what? Let's go. Let's and go. It, 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 it's a, it's, it's something that you should always plan to the to, down to the T and no matter how ridiculous and as commanders and leaders, they need to plan and create every scenario, no matter how far fetched it is because it might happen. And, and that, that, that allows your guys to, to really go in habitual movements and not stop thinking because you're always thinking, but think quicker and move quicker and be more efficient in yeah. what you're doing. Uh, and, and that also goes to your household. The fire is a perfect example of that, bro. That was a, that was a great question. That was. <laughs> and, and, and State Department, I, I know they can do some more improvements within the security elements, but that was one thing that they did better than anybody is they actually listened and they, they addressed that. And that's extremely important because, that's how the ambassador and Sean died. None of yeah. us expected it. Any of us expected it. 
Well, um, thank you so much for your time. Um, where can everybody find you as far as like your, your website, your social media? Sure. Um, well, I, my main website's christanoperanto.com, K-R-I-S-T-A-N-T-O, Peranto's P-A-R-O-N-T-O. You can search Chris Tano and it'll pop up. Um, I have battlelinetactical.com and then everything though generates off the christanoperanto.com. There's drop downs for merchandise and books. Uh, I wrote a couple other books. Yeah, uh, including the one I wrote with the other with the team in Mitchell Zukov for 13 hours, which was a great experience as well. And then also, I, I don't have a Twitter account. The guys, Twitter is just mean. I, and honestly, they're so <laughs> hip, the hypo, hypocrisy over there on Twitter. I I don't, and it does nothing for me, but but made me a mean person. So I don't have Twitter, but I have Instagram, um, real Chris Tano Pirano. It's got the blue check mark, and then a Facebook page, Chris Chris Peranto, that has the blue check. So. Uh, uh, there's a lot of, there are a lot of people out there that are imitating me. Uh, so just be careful out there. Don't send them your money. I've had a lot, <laughs> of, a lot of people do that. Like guys don't just don't do it. And, but, uh, I've also had a lot of great support on both of the social media accounts. And, um, if people are complaining about social media, I'll be honest with you. I, I haven't had any issues since I've, I've come back on the social media scene about, uh, it was about 12 months ago. Um, and everybody's been been great, including yourself, bro. So, uh, yeah, yeah, go to those sites if you want to follow me. And if you don't, it, it's cool, too. I, I, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I get it. <laughs> Fair enough, man. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, fair winds following seas. And we'll see you next time in the smoke pit. All right, Pop. Take care, buddy.